0: Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Today's conversation is called Juneteenth. Enjoy. Uh, Before we get started, I have a question for you all. We're gonna break up into groups, kind of get started with this morning. And this question is pretty simple, but it is this. When did you learn about Juneteenth? If the answer is never, you can just use this time to Google. Um, what it is, and your answer can be right now. So grab a few people around you, socially distance, or on the Zoom group, and talk about when you learned about Juneteenth. Can I come back together? So many groups. Just kidding, there's not that many people here. Sounds like a lot, because when they clap, it echoes. So it's just an illusion. Exactly, that could be 400 people, that could be four people, it's really around seven. I don't know, I'm bad at counting quick. Uh, Okay, so I am happy to be with you all this morning. It's been a while since I preached. Corey and I were trying to think about when the last time was, and I think it was during Black, it was a Black History Month sermon, so that's great. Um, I'm going to keep with the theme, and we're going to talk about Juneteenth this morning. So uh, Juneteenth was Friday. Um, Juneteenth is a holiday that happens on June 19th every year, Uh, and here's what it is about if you do not know and or if you need a refresher. Either way it doesn't matter, I'm gonna tell you. So on January 1st in 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed, which um, apparently freed the slaves, right? It was meant to, and Juneteenth Uh, is the celebration of the fact that on June 19th, 1865, the enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, received the news that the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed and that they had been freed. So January 1st, 1863 to June 19th, 1865. So we celebrate Juneteenth because it's the day that the last group of enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, found out that they had been freed. That is an over two year gap in case you're wondering. So that is the celebration. It's not the ending of slavery when that paper was signed. It's the end when these people in Galveston, Texas found out that they had been freed. Now, Juneteenth can teach us so many things and we have a lot to learn from it. But here's what I wanna focus on today and something I wanna talk about. Juneteenth has always been a celebration. It's a celebratory holiday, it's a celebratory event. Growing up, uh, when my family, we would celebrate, we, there would be parades and we would go to festivals or we would have social meals or events at church. It was always a celebration. It was a celebration of this news, getting to these people, it was a celebration of freedom. And we did not say, oh, because it took so long, we're not gonna celebrate. And we also didn't say, because we haven't arrived at that freedom yet, we're not gonna celebrate. What we did say is even though it took over two years for them to get the news, and even though we are still not completely free in this country, we will still, in the midst of that tension, celebrate. And we have so many things to learn in this country from black people, so more than I have time for today, because you know I like to preach short. But I wanna talk about that reality today. I wanna talk about that reality of what it means to celebrate even in the midst of that tension. What Juneteenth has to teach us about where we are currently right now in 2020 in Los Angeles or wherever you're watching this from. It teaches us one thing, um, and that is freedom is only real when shared. Freedom is only real when shared. If you have freedom and it only impacts your life, that is not real freedom. It becomes real by the ways in which we share it and invite other people into it. And so our fight for freedom is not a fight for my freedom, it is a fight for our freedom, that is the only way in which it becomes real. The enslaved people who had been free even though news had got, uh, word had got, not gotten down to Galveston, Texas, that was not freedom. It became real when it became shared. One of the second things that it teaches us is that acquiring new information about who you are and the way that the world interacts with you and what that means on a daily basis is a good thing. What happened on June 19th, 1865 was that the people who were enslaved acquired new information about themselves and the world around them and that was very important. And we'll get to why that is still important for us to do right now. But the third thing it teaches us is to be okay and find a way to live inside of that tension and inside of that reality. Inside of the already and not yet. Inside of, it is heartbreaking and gut-wrenching that for over two years people were still enslaved although freedom had already come. And it's heartbreaking and gut-wrenching to be in the year 2020, how many years later after 1865, and we are still watching as black people in this country are not yet free. And still, in the midst of that, we find celebration. In the midst of that, we find a reason to have joy. That doesn't make any of those things go away. So what does that tell us, right? So I um, got invited to speak at a Sister Act themed event this summer, which I was like, I don't know if you know how on the nose that is for me, because I am a big fan. In eighth grade, I super glued my teacher to the chair, and I got suspended, and it was very bad, <laughs> but when I was in the principal's office and they were like, what even gave you this idea? I was like, have you not? Have you never seen Sister Act 2? Um, they got whoopee good. So speaking at this Sister Act themed event, and um, the guy's organizing it. He says, do you have, we want to do like some kind of reading. Do you have any ideas for like a reading? And I was like, yeah, just give me one second. Um, and in Sister Act 2, which if you've never seen it, after you research and Google Juneteenth, um, then, turn your research over to Sister Act Two. Um, It is a very informative cultural piece um, in which Whoopi Goldberg, who in Sister Act One uh, was a nun who they had to hide. She was a Las Vegas lounge singer, and then they had to hide her, and then um, she turned the choir around, and then they helped her turn a Catholic school around, and Lauren Hill is like the student who needs help. So, um, star-studded cast, and there's a scene where Lauren Hill is sort of struggling to find her way, And Whoopi Goldberg gives her a book. That book is Letters to a Young Poet, um, Raina Marie Wilkie. No one knows, so it's okay. I don't feel bad. And um, that sparked my interest in that book. And this is one of my favorite passages and and chunks from that book. I want to read it to you all because it has so uh, helped me shape this season of life. And its words are still so poignant. Um, It goes like this. Have patience with everything that remains unsolved in your heart. Try to love the questions themselves. Like locked rooms and like books written in a foreign language, do not now look for the answer. They cannot now be given to you because you could not live them. It is a question of experiencing everything. At present, you need to live the question. Perhaps you will gradually, without even noticing it, find yourself experiencing the answer some distant day. It's fascinating to me how hard it seems for people right now to figure out how to live in tension, how to, how to live without having the exact right answer how to live with some things in question. This is why I said we have a lot to learn from folks who have been celebrating a day like Juneteenth, which is a day that marks tension and question and not yet living into that answer. I had a mentor tell me a long time ago um, as I was working on a project and I wanted it to be absolutely perfect. I wanted to think through everything, start to finish, before we launch it. And he said, you know what? I think sometimes the answers will come in the doing. And I didn't love that because I didn't want the answers to come in the doing. I wanted the answers to come before I started. I wanted to know the answers so that when I did this thing and when I did the event, all I would get is pats on the back and good job because I had all the answers already. And I'm going to get into in a little bit why I think that's how a lot of us are attacking racial justice, COVID, everything going on in our society right now, how to defund the police, political elections. We want to have the right answers before we even start the process of participating in these things. And that is just never going to happen. Which brings me to our passage. This is Matthew 6. We've been uh, reading this now for several weeks. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom soon come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There's so many very specific and succinct lines in this prayer that we focused on, right? When Corey talked about the fact that it says, our Father, what that means. Well, in the middle of this, it says, give us the food that we need for today. In other words, give us today what we need for today, which means we won't always have what we need for tomorrow. We won't know, have what we need for five years from now. We won't have what we need for 10 years from now. Give us today what we need today based on what we know, based on the information that we have, and based on the questions that we are asking. I think too many of us have brought baggage from our evangelical life. And that baggage from our evangelical life looks like us pretending like we know all the answers. I get it, it was awesome. It felt nice to have an answer for everything. And the answer was, just don't have sex before you get married, life won't be hard. Great, great plan guys, never worked, right? But when you have the answer to everything, you absolve yourself from having to live in the tension and the reality that freedom has not come, but it also has come, but it's kind of here, but not yet. And sometimes being a human is really hard. And we're living in a place where black people are being murdered. We're living in a place, there's a global pandemic. There is an election coming up. There's a defund the police movement happening. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, no one has a monopoly on the right answers. And I really wish people would stop looking for the right answers that they have not earned because they refuse to live in this tension. And if you refuse to live in this tension, I don't give a about your answers. I would usually say it, but then the last time they're like, hey, there's kids watching. So you can just, you know. I know, I'm just filtering, I'm just learning. I'm adapting to new information that I have required. And that is what we can do. That is what this prayer tells us to do. As we live these questions, as we don't force answers, what do you need today? What new information do you have today that can change your mind or shift your narrative or move you towards something and it may not be right? And in fact, I don't even know what, quote, right is. Are you moving? Are you evolving? Are you looking for freedom? And by the way, the kind of freedom that is shared. I got a, this is just like, it's been, right? It's been a month. It's been a, two months. It's been a year, right? And I'm tired. A lot of people are tired. And here's, here's something that is, has been frustrating to me. I got a, um, an email like a month and a half ago from someone. A friend of mine who happens to be white sent me a gift card to a black-owned coffee shop. Today, hey, rough few weeks, grab yourself some coffee. I said, like, cool. Then I got a text from this friend that was like, hey, I read an article and it said you should do that, so I did that, but then I read another article and it said you shouldn't do that, so I'm sorry I did that. And I was like, I, okay. Um, and I had this whole conversation with her because I was like so what you're saying is you're not going off your instinct of there's someone in your life who's having a hard time and maybe you thought this was the way to love them you're going off your instinct of all I want to do is be right and this article told me that that was the right thing to do but then this article told me that was the wrong thing to do and which one is right and we talk about this all the time at New Amby. Like It's been a, a, a funny thing for people to say, like, this is not the time for white people to be preaching, this is the time for black people, black voices to be heard, or this is the time where white people need to call accountability to other white people, or no, this is the time that you need to pass the mic. And Cory and I are like, what's right for us right now? And what, what's right for us right now is that I didn't want to preach, because I'm tired, so Corey preaches. And that's what we're doing. We're not trying to be right. We're trying to live in the tension of what's actually happening in our right lives. And I am so tired of people trying to have the right answer so that when they go out there, they get gold stars and pats on the back. You're not going to get it because you're not going to be right. You are invited to live in tension with people who have lived in tension. <laughs> I didn't really know how I felt about that. <laughs> I that same stupid evangelical baggage of I don't want to have tension so I need to intellectually resolve all of these answers so that when you say it I have the right response to you and I know how to say it I had a friend literally she was like "Um, I was trying to figure out what to post and then someone told me about this other post so then I was going to post something about um, white people engaging in non-optical allyship and I said do you know what those words mean And she was like, honestly, no, but I don't want people to drag me on social media. I was like, so you would rather say something that you have no idea what it means, words that you literally aren't sure what they mean because you think it might be perceived as right, rather than to sit in the tension with people who might call you to a different level of accountability if you say what you actually think and you might change in the process. That's what you want to do, you want to be right? Sounds like... Evangelicalism in the 1990s that I grew up in. Sounds like I just have to have the answer. I don't care if I'm changing in the process. I'm sorry, this is not gonna work. You don't get to have the answers unless you earn them by living the question. And living the question means tension. It means I feel so hopeful I feel so hopeful day after day, watching the streets be full, watching policies change, watching some officers be held accountable. And then I feel so hopeless, watching more murders, seeing things go on as usual, watching people return to their everyday lives. And then I feel times where I feel so joyful and celebratory. And even this year on Juneteenth, We had a small, socially responsible party, and um, Corey was like, are you all right? I was like, I was in my head, because this is one of the hardest Juneteenths I've ever experienced, because I was like, yes, I want to celebrate. I'm here. Uh, I'm with my friends, and, and we're celebrating this day that is meant to be celebratory, but at the same time, in the back of my mind, I know how much tension I'm just sitting with. I'm just sitting in this tension, and I just swear to God, if one more person tells me that they read one book that resolved that tension for them, I will tell them they are full of shit. I'm sorry, I forgot. Sometimes we, we forget what we learned, okay? Let that be a lesson to you, you can make mistakes. And that's a part of the process. I'm gonna get an email from a parent and that's a part of my process. Don't make yourself feel like you wanna be above reproach. That's not helpful. Allow yourself to live in the tension and the questions. This is what Juneteenth teaches us. This is what people who celebrate Juneteenth have to teach us. Yes, it took over two years for them to find out they're free. And that is not okay. And yet we will celebrate their freedom. And yet we are not all the way free, and we were still fighting. But we will find joy in this journey. That is going to be tense until it is over, but true freedom is not real unless it's shared. So if you don't feel comfortable sitting in that tension, asking every day, what do I need for today? What do I need to learn today? What do I need to change today? Where do I need to move my feet today? What kind of action do I need to take? Where do I need to sit today? If you're not okay, with the fact that every single day you might have to ask for something different on this journey, then you need to reevaluate what is happening inside. If all you're looking for is right answers, I promise you, you will not find them. And even if you find them, you will just be spouting off knowledge that has not been earned through living. Corey and I joke all, this time, all the time. When I was a pastor in my megachurch life and people would come meet with me. I used to say all the time, literally, it sounds like you love the gift more than the giver. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. I don't know what it means. I truly, as I'm even saying right now, I don't know what it means. But what I did know was that was an acceptable thing to say. (laughs) And so I said it all the time. No, people are talking about marriage problems. People are talking to me about their money. People are talking about all this stuff. It sounds like you're more in love with the gift than the g- And every time, every time, they would be like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, I'll pray there. Um, and you, you go think about that. It was awful. It was Awful. People are coming to me. They wanted something real, and what I gave them was an answer I knew was acceptable. Instead of sitting with people and saying, That sounds hard, I don't know, and allowing that tension to fill the room in a different kind of way. And right now, the tension is filling the room. And I just need people to stop looking for an answer that they know is acceptable and let the tension fill them, and see what happens on our journey. I love that passage from that book. It's like maybe you'll find yourself eventually living the answer when you don't even know it, because that's not what we're looking for. We are looking to try and be a part of fighting for and finding freedom in this tension, finding moments to celebrate, finding moments of joy, finding moments for action. What do you need today? Give us the food we need for today. And today, you look different than you will tomorrow. And tomorrow, you will look very different than you were 10 years ago. I'm not telling people they love the gift more than the giver anymore, even though I never knew what that means because I've changed and I've evolved because each new day, I'm trying to ask, what do I need for today and how might that change me? What new information will I acquire about myself and the world around me? That's a conversation I hope we can participate in. That's one thing I hope we can learn from Juneteenth this year is there's tension all over, it's, it's full. Our world right now is full because I haven't even gotten to the pandemic or the election, okay? And God help us, right? Like two days ago, I woke up, literally, and I told Sammy, I was like, oh my God, COVID, right? Like, I forgot, I was like, jeez, we're still doing that. So that's my ask to you all is to stop looking for right answers. Stop looking for pats on the back and oohs and ahs at everything you say because you know it's the right thing to say. And start living in some freaking tension and allow that to change you in a way that you can live an answer that you cannot earn any other way. So you're gonna get back with the people around you and talk about this question. What question do you need to stop asking and start living?